Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. And we welcome you into episode 154 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Alongside Mike Niemer, I am Greg Frank. Mike caught up with Matthew Lumson. He is the CEO of Connect Energy, which is a business that repurposes and develops the use of EV batteries on battery energy storage systems. So Matthew had a fun chat with Mike, which we're going to run for you in just a few minutes. But before we go any further, let's check in with eRenewable COO and Niemer. Ann Niemer here, COO of eRenewable. We know today whether you're a public company, private equity, or privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. I'm here with Matthew Lumston, CEO of Connect Energy. Matthew, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And thanks for uh, the opportunity to have a conversation. Let's see. So I'm in Houston, Texas, and it's 9.30. So you're in the UK. So what time is it there? Uh, So it's half past three in the afternoon here. So uh, yeah, we're both in sensible time zones. Well, well, at least we got a a good time zone. So you don't have to be doing this at midnight, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're getting people in the States. So that's great. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and Connect Energy. Hi, I'm Matthew Lumsden. I'm the CEO and founder of Connected Energy. I've been in the clean technology renewables business for about 25 years now, I guess. Building a couple of businesses in the consultancy space, looking at uh, grid connections and planning consents for onshore, offshore wind in the UK and, and, and PV. Sold that business in about 2010. And since then, we've been working very much more in the EV space. So spent some time delivering some of the electric vehicle trials and infrastructure trials in the UK back in the early days. But the last sort of, I guess, six or seven years, we've been focusing entirely on developing energy storage systems using second life electric vehicle batteries. So I guess we've been through the development phase and now very much in scale up. We raised sort of 15 million pounds of investment a couple of months ago and now building the business really building it at a pace so that we can deal with the flow of second life electric vehicle batteries as that starts to build up. And obviously there's a huge growth in the energy storage market as well. So we sort of sit in that joined up space between electric vehicle battery availability in the second life and uh, stationary energy storage. Well, that that's a great story. When you, I want to make sure the listeners understand when you're saying second life batteries, from EV vehicles. So somebody buys a Tesla, it's time to replace the battery, battery in. You're wanting that old battery for what your purpose is. Is that correct? Yeah. So, you know, people drive their vehicles, they charge their vehicles, and over a period of time, the the batteries gradually degrade. Um, So you get to a point where that degradation means that you can't travel as far as you might like in your vehicle, but they've still got plenty of capacity left in them. What we do is then convert those, you know, build them up into big systems and use them as stationary energy storage to plug into the grid and provide a, n- a number of different services to our customers. Well, speaking of big systems, what type of 
this is normal size of your battery energy storage system that you put you use these batteries in. Okay, well, at the moment we're we, we've spent the last sort of five years deploying, I guess, smaller modules. So they're about three hundred kilowatts, three hundred and sixty kilowatt hours. Typically, installing those on industrial and commercial sites. Um, but the next phase of our business is to scale up and to move into utility scale systems. So the next couple of years, we'll be start installing a system that's probably about 40 megawatt hours. But what we've done is we've used the learning from these smaller systems to help us optimize the way we control the batteries. And then obviously, we'll use that knowledge in, in, in large scale uh, utility scale systems. When you take uh, the used EV battery, do you have to... Mm -hmm. You repurpose it. Do you have to refurbish it and update it with anything, or does it just go straight into your system? No. So we we work. We will only use batteries if the if the OEM will work with us. And our you know our strongest partner at the moment is Renault. We've been working them with, with them for five or six years. So typically, you know, we will provide Renault with a specification for the battery that we we're, we're prepared to use and prepared to buy from them. Um, they will test them or, or, or use um, telematics data to prove the quality of them. And then we will build those battery packs, not the modules, the whole pack into our storage system. So effectively, you know, we use the investment that they've put into the battery management system, the control systems, the diagnostic systems, the safety systems. And you know, our technology then aggregates and controls you know, multiples of these batteries, so they operate all as one system. So by you repurposing the EV battery after the, they're done, finished in the vehicles, you're like part of the circular economy and repurposing it and put it back into use again for a bigger purpose. Would that be a correct thought? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think what we're able to do, I mean, it depends on the duty cycle, but typically, you know, we'll give the batteries another seven, seven plus years of usable life. And that, that reuse doesn't preclude recycling. You know, typically we'll, we'll take the batteries, deploy them for a period of time, then we'll pass those on to a recycler and we'll replace those batteries with another set of batteries that obviously has come to its second life again. And they will pass ultimately to recyclers as well. So, you know, we're, we're in that reuse part of the circular economy. Gotcha. And that, that's a great uh, sweet spot for you to be in, just judging by the type of business that you have. So as you repurpose them and you hope to get seven more years out of them, tell us how, how long does a typical battery last in a car? Okay, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not an OEM. So, and obviously that's, that, that, that's changing. And I, I think most of the OEMs, to my knowledge, are, you know, are, are, are finding that the batteries are lasting a lot longer than they, they originally anticipated. So the batteries, the earlier batteries that we're using have probably been in the vehicles for seven to eight years. I think now we're looking at 12 years plus potentially. So, you know, the, the, the maturity of the technology, both in terms of the battery chemistries, but also in the way they're charged and the way they're used in the vehicles is, is, is leading to a, a longer lifespan for those batteries. Well, uh, as the EV market continues to expand, not only in, uh, in the UK, but also here in the United States and around the world, <clears throat> for you and the availability to find more batteries is probably becoming easier and easier, isn't yeah. it? Started eight years ago? 
Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you, you know, you think uh, certainly in the UK, the first batteries, the, sorry, the first Nissan Leafs, first electric vehicles started to hit the road in around about 2010. So that flow is now starting to, to build up. And, you know, the data we're, we're sort of receiving from various OEMs and fleet operators is suggesting that we'll sort of, we'll start to get a significant ramp up in battery availability between now and 25, 2025. And then 2025 to 30 is when you start to see the real, you know, the hockey stick starts to happen when there's a, a, a really serious availability of batteries. So, you know, for our, from our perspective, you know, there are two components here. One is you've got to get the technology right, but also you've got to be able to create the bankable energy storage systems so that you can put those batteries into large-scale systems that will enable you to, you to use the volumes of the batteries that will become available. So it's very much a, a techno-economic solution, I suppose. Yeah. So uh, do you guys have any plans to expand into the United States? Well, hoping to, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're very much focused on locations where you've got both availability of batteries, obviously, and, and, and a buoyant energy storage market. And obviously, you know, in certain states of the US, they're probably some of the world's most buoyant markets for energy storage, but also... I would expect that there'll be um, energy storage be- be- beginning to be deployed in various other markets as well. Um, and obviously, you know, there's been a call for um, energy storage in the States in response to some of the wildfires you've had for temporary energy storage there as well. So I, I, I guess we'll be um, starting to move into the States towards the back end of next year once we've sort of put the right partnerships together to do that. Gotcha. Where do you see in the states uh, the biggest opportunity? So, uh, you know, I think I think it's probably going to be utility scale systems. You know, so you've got to uh, you've got to create a balance between the the generation and the load. And I think that you know there's there's also a global move towards resilience and self consumption. I suppose so. You know, it's about trying to use the power or energy where it's generated. So I think there'll, there'll be a big role for um, large-scale systems in the U.S. I mean, that's already developing now. Yeah, they, it is. We see more and more of that, and people continue to talk about it. And so, uh, you know, more and more here in the States, you know, we're seeing commercial industrial customers having battery storage on site just for the resiliency, like you said. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the same thing in the U.K., yeah, exactly. I mean, it's interesting and, you know, I guess unfortunate in that one of the consequences of the, the Ukrainian situation is there's been a much more of a cognizance of the, the importance of resilience in the system. Um, so we're certainly seeing a lot more customers concerned about you know, ensuring that their supply is resilient. But then also there's been a, obviously a dramatic increase in energy costs. So people are keen to reduce their costs generate additional revenue. And, and I think, you know, that there's a move in the, certainly in the UK towards what's termed localized energy systems. So, you know, within um, sort of campus type areas, so, you know, perhaps an industrial estate or a big industrial and commercial site, people are looking to install energy storage systems there to, to help, I suppose, to help create a more sophisticated and efficient energy system around their usage requirements. So when you're being involved in the data, the uh, battery storage, as you guys are, you also have a data component to your company to help people understand when to 
on when to use the uh, power? Yeah, and no, I mean, uh, you know, data is a is a key part of our business now, and you know, I, th- I think there's two two components to that, and 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 this, you know, applies to energy any energy storage system. You know, part of it is around operating the system to best effect in relation to the markets, but then there's also a key po- component, obviously, in relation to how you use the uh, the batteries within the system, and you know that the. the the key differentiator in terms of second life batteries is that you know, they all they are all slightly different. They all have slightly different levels of degradation. Um, so we're using data and machine learning to understand the, the characteristics and the cycle costs of every single battery, and use that machine learning to optimize the way we use we use the batteries within the system. But you know, I was, I was at a conference in in Berlin last week and. You know, data is a, a big theme for energy storage period because, you know, the managing and, um, and maximizing the efficiencies of the systems is really important, both from an operator's perspective, but also from the parties who are financing the systems. They want to see that they're getting the um, returns that they expected. And so with you guys having been in this space now for quite some time, You've obviously seen the growth in the space of uh, repurposing the batteries from the EV vehicles. I'm sure you've seen competition come up and everything and, you know, competitors all over the place. Where do you see the future of this? How much further is it going to go? Does the life of the battery in the car now lasting not seven years, but 12 years, is that affecting your supply chain with regards to the batteries you have available? And uh, how's that cycle working and looking to the future? Okay, so so I think you know, I mean, the vehicles that are on that are on the road now will provide the batteries that we use over the next you know the next five years, say. So that's one of the good things about Second Life. We know, we know exactly what the feedstock's going to look like. I think you know as the as the as the longevity of the batteries increases, then you know that that will increase in in parallel with the volume of batteries increasing. So I think you know. We are, we are going to go through a phase where, you know, there's no doubt that there should be a lot of batteries available for, you know, for everybody to grow their businesses. Um, and I think, you know, one of the key things will be out of all the batteries within the vehicles, you know, the, the, the key differentiator will be finding the, the best batteries so that we can provide the best solution for our energy storage customers. And obviously the, you know, the performance of, Energy storage generally is, is is a key key piece to improving the economics. So we'll be out there trying to find the best batteries to produce the, the, the best performance systems, I suppose. Well, you know, with that said, as as you find those best batteries, as your batteries eventually wear down. You in turn, is there an, is there another part of the circular economy that once you're done with the battery, there's somewhere else it goes, or does it get to that point after you're done with it? I guess it depends to a certain extent on on how the batteries evolve. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if 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 I look at the the situation now, then we don't just use um, second life batteries; we also use second life harnesses from some of our suppliers uh, in terms of the cabling that's come out of the vehicles. 
Um, and certainly, you know, when we finished with them, the, the, the batteries will be disassembled. And, you know, there may well be components there that can be reused rather than recycled. But obviously, you're, you're then getting to a time which is perhaps, I don't know, the best part of 20 years between the battery actually being put in the market and, and reaching the, uh, the end of its usable life, I suppose. Yeah, no, I get that. So uh, as we're wrapping up, where do you see this all continuing to go? Is there a certain point that there, we can't grow anymore? Or do you just think this is gonna to continue to grow and grow and grow and help fight climate change all around the world with all these second life batteries, with the mission that your company's on? Where do you kind of see the future here? I mean, you know, there will be huge volumes of batteries coming out of vehicles. Um, so, you know, the, the second life battery business has the potential to be, you know, um, a very material component of the, the energy storage piece globally. And then, you know, for, for me, the really interesting thing is then, you know, I also believe that, vehicle to grid whereby you use the, the energy in your battery when it's in your vehicle um, will be another component. So you'll have what, what's almost a thin film energy storage where you've got electric vehicles covering everywhere and, and you're using the, 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 the available power and, and energy in those vehicles to, <clears throat> to provide a certain amount of support to the grid or certain, certain types of services. And then on top of that, there will be larger systems that use second life electric vehicles. But, 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 you know, I think one of the things that is starting to become, you know, I think more, more of a theme in the, the, the world of energy storage is that there are different types of energy storage that have different characteristics. So, you know, obviously we've got pumped, store, we've got pumped uh, hydro storage, we've got lithium ion, we've got flow batteries coming through. They all have, and, and, and flywheels, and they all have different performance characteristics, different response times, different durations, et cetera. So, you know, I think we'll see a mix of energy storage technologies starting to become part of that energy system. Now, there, there is obviously a limit to the amount you require, but I think we're, we're quite a long way from that yet. And we're quite a long way from seeing exactly how that energy storage mix will mature, I suppose, to provide the full requirements of these sort of evolving networks. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for uh, all the words of wisdom with regards to repurposing EV batteries and battery storage systems, not only in the UK, and hopefully uh, later this year here in the United States or next year in the United States, this year's about over. So thank you for joining us on the Green Insider, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Stay in touch. It's a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to you. That is going to wrap things up for episode 154 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. We're back next week with episode 155, as our guest will be Andy Weathers, the president of Arm Alternative Energy, to discuss renewable natural gas. Until then, we'll talk to you all later. Again, a reminder to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from and leave us a five-star rating because as the saying goes, you learn something new every day. And we were responsible for today's lesson. Thanks again to Matthew Lumsden, our guest on today's episode. For Mike Niemer, I'm Greg Frank. This has been the Green Insider, powered by e Renewable. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your weeks.